And I'm Tanil J. And we are Surviving, Surviving Adulthood. So today we have a special guest on here for our Women Empowerment Series for all of you guys that are new. Um, this is something where we're bringing on powerful women to discuss their roles in the world and their journey. So Tanil, can you kick us off? Yes, my newfound friend, Tanisha. Um, so I'm I'm going to read to y'all her bio, okay? So Tamisha Harris is a 38-year-old mother of two and a native of Richmond, California. She's a proud alum um, of Clark Atlanta University who is passionate about the continued advancement of underrepresented people of color. Harris feels transparency is of utmost importance in order to live in a world in which everyone's experiences, realities, and feelings are respected and validated. Harris writes candidly about the current race relations as it relates to socioeconomic uh, plights of adolescents and provides a positive way in which, excuse me, in which to navigate these otherwise taboo situations. Which leads me to talk about her lovely series. Um, it's called Fun Bobby was created from Harris's worldview as an African-American mother of two black sons. She, um, with the passion of education, freedom, justice, excuse me, justice and advocacy for equality across all platforms, she uses her writing potentially encouraged to disenfranchise and enlighten the privilege. Um, her experiences raising her sons have uh, prompted the stories you will embark upon while reading Fun Bobby series. Although controversial, provocative, and taboo, she explores ways in which she uh, handles parenting various tough situations through the eyes of a 13-year-old reaction to potential real-life events, um, which is good, which when we first met, she gifted me, which is very good. Um, I mean, even as an adult, just like, right. this is real, I'm you know. Cover. That is very Can you read it to us? What is it? What is the sample part? The Adventures so, of Bobby. Of, so the Adventures Christ. of Bobby, mm-hmm, volume one. Okay. So it was, um, it was good. And yeah. I want more. But we haven't seen you. So, but um, it is good. I have a son who's seven. So it's definitely good to read to him and for him to read himself, um, which is what I have him do. I'm like, you can sound it out. So, um, yes, thank you for coming. Thank you for having Appreciate me. you for taking the time. Yes. And so um, let's just dive right into it. Um, your current role, are you able to say where you're currently employed? I believe so. I work for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and, with, and with that being said, like I mentioned in your intro, you, your job is to make sure that people of color are represented are represented and um, are able to show up in places, especially with tech. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, my introduction to tech was very um, unconventional. I wasn't prepared. I didn't think that I was, I belonged in tech. I don't have a tech background at all, um, but I'm a project manager. And um, so I'm the operations coordinator for our engineering department that our recruiting um, department that hires all of the engineers that uh, support the platform that keeps Twitter running. 
And so there's lots of projects and lots of initiatives that are taking place, especially right now with COVID-19. Um, we have slowed down um, other hiring outside of what's happening in, in the engineering space, but because that's my particular department, our hiring has not stopped at all. And so um, we're trying to figure out how other people can come on to help us in the recruiting space, how we can leverage, you know, continuing to build our pipeline and uh, for sourcing, how we can help throughout the organization. There's over 100, 115 people on our team. And so I am actually project managing. The managers have just kind of broken up where people, where we want to kind of 20% of your work goes here, 30% of your work goes here. And so I'm project managing how all of these meetings will take place, how this work will be driven. Um, so that's my current role right now. Prior to when I met you, um, I had I was a big part of the activation for Afrotech. Um, Twitter's presence in Afrotech last year, the big party that was at Complex, that was my main project that I did. Um, the line was literally wrapped around the corner. That was my first time ever doing anything like that. Um, so I am definitely shocking myself. Um, God is just very graceful um, in putting me in spaces um, when he say that when I've, I, I'm very faith-based, I believe in God with my whole heart. But when he say that, you know, he'll put you in rooms where you are, he'll, he'll prepare a table before you, he'll put you in rooms where you're not even expected to be in. Um, I am working on literally practicing what I preach and walking by faith because with these projects that they give me, I'm like, sure, I can handle that. And I'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> even just being, um, like you said, in the space and getting those opportunities where mm -hmm. you know, we know, like, even though we might not know at that time exactly what we're going to do, we know how to go in and get the job done. So I'm with you on that. Thank you. And so that's separate from, that's my day job. Right. And Bobby is what I'm passionate about. That's what, um, and I'm and, and my my director is a black woman as well, and she's passionate about getting diverse hires and getting uh, people of color in tech. So I do have a passion for that because I have a passion. So our my day job and my passion aligns in that area where I know that the work that I'm doing um, is directly impacting how many more African Americans, Latinx, and women that will become you know members of the tech community and in the tech space and bring their expertise. So. Um, but the books that I, in terms of Fun Bobby, the cover that you have, Tennille, that's actually my son, um, who the books are inspired by. Um, my kids go to a predominantly white school um, and privileged, when I say white, not just white, I mean like rich white um, in Oakland. And we are not that at all. Not only are we not white, we're not rich either. Um, you know, I'm from Richmond. I don't, I'm not poor, but I'm definitely um, not nowhere on the scale that they're on in terms of finances or financial literacy or, you know, not, not yet. Right. And so I pushed my child to go to school in that arena, in that environment, because I know that they provide different education than what we're provided in the public schools. And I tr I, I'm a former teacher, so I made sure that my child was able to thrive in that space. But what I didn't take into account was the social impacts that he was going to have to deal with mm -hmm. once he got there. Mm -hmm. And so once he got there and he was asking me questions, 
about mm-hmm. his blackness that I have raised him to be empowered about. And, you know, you are going to be a black man. So you have got to you know, be strong in certain areas, et cetera, et cetera. I wasn't prepared for the social questions that he was coming back to me with and the social um, experiences that he was dealing with. So I literally had to take a step back and say, okay, how can I actually parent him in the right way? Because I know how we would have handled it at Coronado, at Harding Elementary, De Anza High School. I know how we would have handled it then. That son is not how I want you to handle this in 2019, you know, as you're navigating in this space. Um, And I also, as an adult working in normally and predominantly white uh, corporate America and the politics and bureaucracy around that, I didn't want him to have to code switch either the way that I've had to do throughout my entire career. Like I want him to be able to still bring his full authentic self to school and be empowered and walk in who he is authentically. And so that's what prompted me to write the books. Um, So I'll pause there, see if you guys have any questions. No, you're good. So with that being said, so um, how do you, how do you empower him and able to keep that, that balance going? So first things first is that I have a very um, open and candid relationship with my son. He's actually laughing in the background. <laughs> um, we, we talk about a lot of stuff. I am not, um, I'm very open. I'm very direct. I'm very candid. Um, I talk to him about things that is, are very uncomfortable for him. You know, um, at this age, they're going through puberty. I, I'm that mom that would be like, are you looking at a porno? Like, I'm that mom that will say that. And he's like, huh? when we were that age i got brothers cousins like and so it hits him in the face because he's not expecting it but i've always been that way very direct you know did you do your work or did you not like just shoot it to me straight because i can handle it better that way and so he has taken on that same type of personality now i have a younger son too my seven-year-old he is not that way i have to pry it out of him but because he sees that dialogue between Tyler and I, he's more apt to, you know, think, feel like that's a normal thing. And I think prior to our parents would kind of sweep stuff under the rug. Girl, we ain't talking about that. Get out of here. That You ain't old enough. Yeah, we old enough. Let's have a conversation. I have right. sexually active at 12, 11. You know, like at, at eight, I'm like, hey, do we need to have this conversation right now? So me being very direct and candid with him allowed him to come to me when he dealt with those situations. Like the example in the, in volume one is a real scenario that happened to him at school. And so I, we can talk more about that, you know, if that's where the conversation is. But yeah, let's get into that. Let's get into it. Unfold, uh, you know, a few situations that Tyler had to deal with and what you had to say about it and, and what you got for, from that to create the book. So um, while Tyler is very empowered at home, um, he takes on more of a observant um, personality when he's outside. Mm-hmm. Not like I watch for a minute. I'm, I'm learning from him in terms of how to be more observant and I don't have to tell my opinions right as soon as it happens. But that's mm-hmm. typically how I am. I see something even in the stores, I'll see somebody's bad kid running. Did you hear what your mama said? I'd be like, lady, this is not your business. So that's me. But he's, uh, so when he came home, what happened, um, his first week of school, 
um, someone made a comment to him. I guess they were talking about, you know, I know when I was a teacher, when you first come back from summer break, it's like, hey, what'd you guys do over the summer? Did you guys have a good time? And, you know, this and that. So I did embellish the story a little bit um, in the book, but essentially, Fun Bobby comes back from um, summer break. He's in his advising class. He's in the seventh grade. And he is, um, they're asking, what did he do over the summer? And he's talking about how he went to Florida uh, for the Junior Olympics. And my sons do run track. And so um, he's talking about how his family came down and we said they celebrated his, his birthday, um, his 13th birthday. But we actually did that for Tyler, celebrated his 10th birthday in Florida. So I kind of, you know, mixed some real life, right. some embellishments, but um, so they came in and he's d- describing the the scenario that you know um, they went to Disney World and he got sixth place um, in his four by one on his four by one relay team, um, and so as he was telling the story, um, and he's also you know he his one of his his love interest her name's Jada. Um, she's in his class, this girl that he's been having a crush on since the third grade or whatever. She's in class. And so um, he pulls out his his medal, his sixth place medal, and everybody in the class is like, ooh, and I, and she's eyeing him and all of this. And then there's a white kid in the class is like, whispered to another white kid, like, black people go on summer vacations, on family vacations. And he heard him. And so he looked at him and he's like, do I say something right now? Like, and so it, it, the story talks about him going through it in his head, like, okay, I know that I can't react to this right now. Mom has already told me, like, you know, learn how to process things and figure out what you really want to say, what's your end result, what's your end goal before you just, you know, attack. Um, but I know him and we've been friends since kindergarten. So why would he even say something like that? Like, that's clearly mm-hmm. a racist comment. It's clearly, you know, suggested racially suggestive, if not racist, period. Like, right. so are we, are we no longer friends? Like, so he's having this internal dialogue within himself, you know, in the story. Um, and so everybody is kind of, and people know him for being an advocate and speaking up for people. And so the class is also looking like, is he going to say something right now? You know, and so he doesn't. He doesn't take that opportunity at that moment to address the situation. But they waited up. You know, he goes to his other classes, and then at lunchtime, he goes up to him and he's, you know, he's direct and he's saying, "Hey, you know, Rex, why'd you say that? Like, where did that even come from? Like, are you racist? Do you not feel like black people should have these types of experiences or what have you?" And so Rex explains like all of the black people that just from his his experience, not from a racial perspective, but his lens is that all the black people he knows come from the struggle. And so he mm-hmm. didn't know that they could really afford to do things like that. And so it was mm-hmm. a real honest and innocent question on his behalf. And he didn't realize how negatively it impacted Fun Bobby, but he shared with him in that scenario, like, and he gave this whole presidential address sort of speech and he talks about, you know, when you say things like that, you need to kind of think about who your audience is, who it's going to affect. For me, I'm just going to be honest. Like I had to think about, you know, when, like Michelle Obama said, when they go low, you go high. I had to really pro- talk myself through that process of not really coming for you right now, right at, in that moment. Mm-hmm. But I know that we are friends. And so I wanted to give you that, 
you know, that space for us to even at least have a conversation about it. So they had a conversation. By the time they finished the conversation, like all the whole students, the student body, everybody was watching to see how it was, how the situation was going to unfold. The way I built it up was like, it was going to be this big old fight because everybody was coming around, but he literally just talked it out and spoke up on how it actually made them feel. And then they ended up, ended the game, ended the story um, playing a game of spades with a couple other people, which, you know, that's a cultural thing for me. Right. <laughs> but Tyler did have an instance where he came home and asked me like, well, are we not supposed to do, you know, this, these types of things because we're black. And I'm like, sir, no, you're absolutely supposed to do those things. And so in terms of me make, I was a little angry at first when he came home with that, I said, you know, you got to understand what, what your environment is, is at that school. You're in a predominantly white air environment, but that doesn't preclude you from being able to do anything that they do. The only difference that they have or up advantage that they have over you right now is potentially their finances, but you're as smart as they are. You're as witty as they are. You're as creative as they are. Mm -hmm. Like you have a support, just as a supportive family as they have. Like your, your finances is only temporary right now. So do not let that be a factor to hold you back from anything that you want to do. And it makes me push harder too, to make sure that I'm able to provide him these experiences, you know, they're going on trips to DC and camping trips and all of this other kind of stuff. I make it happen for him to be able to have those experiences because that is what is going to separate him from, you know, those who don't have that um, type of experience. And so because we're living it right now, I still am very connected to Richmond and to my cousins and to mm -hmm. other people that I know, my friends, kids who don't have the opportunity to go to a school like this. So how can I empower them the way that I'm empowering my child? And it was to come up with a book that they can read. Mm -hmm. That's something that can be widespread for from all of the kids that are, you know, in public schools with teachers who don't necessarily care about them or even the teachers who do care about them, but the government doesn't give them enough money to put behind like the, the school that my son goes to. So um, twofold parenting and then also what my heart and my passion is about us as an entire African-American community and how we can all elevate. Yes. And I love how in the story, like you said, um, you did it to where it looks like it's going to be a fight, but it didn't end up like that because that's what they expect a lot of times for us to, you know, not how to use our words. And I have a 13 year old son and that's one of the you know, biggest things that I talk to him about is how do you react in situations? Because at the end of the day, you might get in more trouble than the other person just because, you know, like of the skin tone of your color, like, and that's just the bottom line that I need you to know how to go out and hold yourself accountable and be able to use your words, be able to process what's going on, watch out what's going around mm -hmm. because your consequences consequence might not be the same as he is. There's not no might about it. At, at, right now, like, look at who our president is. I, I mean, mm -hmm. and this is probably very controversial, but there is All no right. might about it. Right. Our mm -hmm. children, our black boys do not have the same passes and yeah. liberty that other kids have, even more so than black girls. Mm -hmm. I can get away with more than what my right. son can get away with. So right. I would be doing, we would be doing our sons a disservice to not yeah. let them know 
that these are things that we that are out of our control, son, that this is just the way the infrastructure of our government and our environment is right now. But what I can empower you to do is use your brain for more than a half, use your head for more than a half. As yeah, my grandma yes. say. Like you have to learn how to think about that. But that is a learned skill. Yes, you it would, is. So like, I, whose song is that? Is that Wale? Or it was like, your mama told you how to fight, fight, before she told you how to write, write. Like, mm-hmm. that's real. Like, <laughs> is that Kendrick Lamar or somebody? Right. That's yeah. my truth. Like, <laughs> yeah. I told her, you better put your fist up and you better punch somebody. Like, I have taught, yeah. I have But, right. and then if that's what I'm, the first thing that I'm teaching them, when somebody come at them, that's the first thing that's that they're going to do. So yes. I at them, we have to take accountability for that as the parents. And so yeah. this is my way of still, you still have to learn how to protect yourself, right. you know, um, as you're going to have a family one day and, you know, Tyler, you're an older brother, so you, you don't let nobody run over you, but there is a way that you can break a person down with your words and also let them know that I am not falling. I'm not standing for any of that foolishness. This is how you're going to respect me. This is how you're going to approach me. Um, and so teaching them that is a skill. And so that's something that I spend a lot of time with both of my children in using their words. Right. I love to hear that because I think that is one of the first things. And just even me thinking back when I was younger, like like your mama said, don't let nobody run up on you and punk you. So they hit you, you on the first punch and you better <laughs> ask questions later. Right. I, mean, I have memories of my mom taking, I got jumped in elementary school and I got, I have memories of my mom driving me around to their houses. Like you better be there. Mm-hmm. And if you, and if you get beat up, we gonna come home and it's going to be something else. And I was scared out of my mind. I'm like, Oh my God, I got But I bet I, it made, it made me not be a punk. Like, but what does that mm-hmm. do? Where does that get me now that I'm in corporate America? Because I'm not no punk. I'm not a punk. Where does that get me in terms of at Twitter? That means nothing. Like nobody cares mm-hmm. right at Twitter. Right. So you go get a. You have to stuff. use a different avenue. You have to use. Yeah, a different you have a different avenue. Uh, question in regards to um, the predominantly white school that your boys go to. Are they in this? Uh, do they go to the same school, or Tyler goes to a different school? It's K through twelve. Okay. Okay, so um, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but recently on TikTok, there was um, a school in Georgia, I believe it's uh, Carrollton um, High School, and the kids were caught um, being racist, doing um, a racist, um, I don't know what they were doing, but they were saying they were making a nigger, and they poured water in each cup, said, you know, uh, this Anyways, yeah, water, put different things, don't have a dad, eating watermelon and chicken, things of that nature. And people... I have the video. um, I I literally just reposted it on my Instagram story. uh Uh-huh. That's Yeah, I seen it. I forget where I seen it, but I reposted it on my story. I think I seen it on spiritual spiritual somebody, whatever. Yeah, that's where I'm from, too. Yeah. Okay, see, and... um. With that being said, have has your son or both of your sons experienced like that in your face type of racism? Because I on the reports that's been in regards to the story, they said that's not new. It's not uh, anything. It's not a, a isolated situation. So, just going back to my instant story that I just posted seven hours ago, I said they learned to have these thoughts. I actually yeah. 
of parents. Hear me when I say the desire has to be there to think of African-Americans differently, but this is America. That is my post that I literally just posted on my page seven hours ago. My children have not experienced actually being called a nigger per se, but my youngest son, somebody told him, your skin color is the same color of poo. Wow. What? Oh, uh, yeah. And that took, when I say, I just be like, Lord, be offense, Jesus. Give me <laughs> yes, for real. So yeah. I have, I, have, I, have a, I have two main feelings that I feel about that comment. Because I don't, the parents that are there, I know that they fake. Some of them, you know. Do you have any white allies? I do. I do. And so that's where, I would, that's where I'm going. I really do. Jaden's best friend, um, he's half white and half black. And his mom is white. But when I say she ride for me more than when I tell Jennifer, honey, that girl, she love her some Tamisha, okay? And I love me some her. And Jaden love him some Isaac. And you can't tell... And their last name is Harrison, and our last name is Harris, and Jaden and Isaac have the same exact birthday. Um, But when I tell you they are twins for real, for real, like Jaden and Isaac, and me and Jennifer are like sisters from another mister, I I do have white allies. I will say that. Um, But, and I don't have any any white people or people that are um, not people of color that openly you know, are, are adverse adversaries of me either. But I know that what, what, what can't be denied is when your child says something like that, Mm -hmm. that is not as innocent in my mind as one would like to dumb it down to be. Mm -hmm. And so I give grace where I would like grace to be given to me as well. So there is a conversation that can be had. And I asked Jaden, how did he, this is my seven-year-old, he's in first grade now. And I asked him, I said, how did you feel about that? Um, And the way the story came to me was that someone said it to him. And he's like, well, no, they didn't say it directly to me. Um, But they were talking about everybody's skin color. Oh, well, this person's skin color is the same color as vanilla, ice cream. This person's skin color is the same color as blah, blah, blah. And then that person said, well, Jaden's skin color is the same color as poop. And so mm-hmm. I said, well, while technically it is, technically it is, it's just very demeaning. And I need to make sure that you don't feel like you are poop because that's what the, your skin color looks like. Your skin color is mm-hmm. also the same skin color as coffee. Your skin color is also the same skin color as chocolate. Your skin color is also the same skin color as your mother's, who is a beautiful black woman, movie queen. So the perspective has to flip as well in terms of how I dialogue with him. And so when I'm when we're at home, I what when I tell her, come here, little brown chocolate boy. You know, that's my little brown baby. That like I empower him to feel good about that chocolate skin, that dark skin. We literally have competitions like who's darker and like, and we be fighting like, no, I'm the, and I'm, I'm literally the lightest one of the three of us. And Jesus is dark and I'll be like, no, you're not, I'm dark. And like, 
like a competition like who is who has the darkest skin because that's the best one the darker the blacker the very the sweeter the juice like right i have i empower them in that way so they don't feel mm-hmm. they don't feel in any way inferior because their skin is darker i am even learning you know just even with my hair like this because i'm so used to having my hair done up that getting on this call with my natural state really too i was literally i was yesterday in target like okay i gotta get they said i gotta get this moisturizer and this and my sister was trying to walk me through it and i took i said tasha this what is this she's like no that's cute that's what it's supposed to look but i don't feel comfortable and i this is my my own just being transparent i don't feel comfortable because i'm used to having a weave or you know, my hair braided or something like that. I'm looking at myself like, honey, this look like something for of color purple for sure. But I'm, this is my thought. This is my own stinking thinking that I am trying to, I got to empower myself through. But I, I, I do that for them because I recognize my, the flaws in myself. And so mm-hmm. when that comment was made, it was very disheartening. Um, I had a comp and, and, and more so from the administration side, nobody contacted me to tell me anything. Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody from the school called me and said that this app, this happened. Um, and he did tell the teacher that some, that the, that the kid said that. And so I had to send them an email. I said, you guys send me an email about everything else that my child does. Jaden's this, Jaden's doing this. He was rolling on the floor or whatever, when that's the normal behavior in your classroom, because that's what, y'all do sometimes it's, right but oh, it's, it's, it's just, he's just stretching out no, and I, if that was my class i'd be like you know, get yourself up and let's get you know but if that hey how, y'all run your class how y'all want to so i had to oh, let you know i don't no. appreciate you you guys are always contacting me about the stuff that he's doing but nobody's contacting me about when something happens to my child okay mm-hmm. so this is gonna have to be a two-way street for one and then for two, as much as when you email me about all this that he didn't do right, didn't do right, make sure you send an email about when he had a great week too. Let's balance this. Thing right. So it's up yeah. to monitor and manage how they teach my child. Because at yeah. today, I think a lot of parents send their kids to school and feel like it's the teacher's responsibility to raise their children. I teach my children who they are and whose they are before they leave out these doors. Mm-hmm. And if anybody, teachers, mm-hmm. classmates, otherwise, bus drivers and all, conflict with what I have taught you who you are when you leave out of here, then that's a conversation. Excuse me, because I don't know if you understand the, the social and emotional impacts that you're putting on my child, but I do. Because when they mm-hmm. come home and ask me these kind of questions, I'm not putting those thoughts in their head. They're getting that from you. So let's have a conversation about that because that's not how, that's not what they come home to. Right. You know, so right. you have to set them straight and I don't have a problem doing it. I know people be like, can she shut up? No, not about my children. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. It's important for them to know that one, we're going to advocate for our children. So yes. It, because I've got plenty of emails about everything that my daughter does. Like, but I'm like, I mean, you know, damn, is it a problem every single day? But like you said, as soon as it's something on her, she has to tell me, you know, or like Mm -hmm. my son has to tell me. And I'm like, like you said, you guys write an email, call me, bring her to the office for everything else. But when the shoe was on the other foot, I didn't know anything of this nature was going on. So I'm the mom. I go to the office and I'll be like, I need to put time on a principal. 
calendar because that's not okay. Like, I don't want to just hear about when, you know, my child isn't doing right, but tell me, you know, call me if somebody else is doing something, but then they don't call you for that. But they know, I don't care what's going on. You better write it up and you better call me. So and, and the thing is, is I don't, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that, you know, it's, a, it's the onus is on me as a parent to manage and monitor how they approach my children. And mm-hmm. every time that I have had to come to that school, and speak to somebody, and it has been a lot, or send an email and get folks together about how they manage my children. Um, They have been very receptive. I would like to think that I should not have to say some of the things that I have to say in 2020, but we are here. And so I am very patient. Um, I don't know what the lasting results of this will look like for my children because they're not grown yet but at least they know that they have a a support system and and somebody who's advocating for them like I said I didn't think about the social impacts of putting them in that school before we put them there but they're there they love it you know um, there's just blips in the road and I also share with them that sometimes things happen and you it's and life is not about what happens to you it's about how you react to it and so While this teacher may be singling you out or you feel like, you know, you weren't heard. And that oldest one of mine, he's such the Justice League advocate. Uh, He's like, well, that's just not, I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm just, I'm offended. And I'm like, sir, you have so many (laughs) things. You did that. You did that. But I love to hear that, to hear that, you know, somebody his age is standing up for, you know, other people and not just himself and he even it. Mm-hmm. to recognize it, you know, so. He even tried to pull my card. I'd be like, can you quit doing, that's girly, mom, that's sexist. Oh my God. Well, listen, right. he like, uh, it's sexist, but can you stop doing what you like? Right. <laughs> But that's building community, though. Right. That's building community when he is stepping up for other people, then other people see his actions, and they follow in pursuit. So um, I love that. I just want to go back, take these instances, and talk about more of what you do on a day-to-day basis with your job. How do you implement? How do you guys, I guess, not just pick, but how do you? what's your process of finding these people of color? Because I hear that, you know, there's not a lot of black people or people of color, period, in in the tech world. It's not. Um, And I, for me, in my day-to-day, because my boss is such a beast when it comes to make, pushing the issue on, we need to have diverse hires. I mean, she will, she says it. I know these people probably be like, we heard you, we heard you, we heard you. <laughs> I mean, and, but again, just like with the government, we mm-hmm. know, you see even the facts of COVID-19, how this is all trickling down to how it's negatively impacting uh, color. Um, mm-hmm. The infrastructure is what it is, right? So we have to be very diligent about knowing how the infrastructure is built, where we can plug and play, where it's not going to be beneficial to try to push the issue on certain things. But she's very strategic about how 
to um, work with the business to get it done. So Jack Dorsey as the CEO, um, I just think he's like so freaking dope. Like he cares. Okay. He wants Mm -hmm. his company to reflect the people who actually use it. He wants Mm -hmm. more African-American women, Latinx people in the organization. Mike Montano, he's the head. He's like the Jack of all the engineers on the platform. He cares. Like when I say they are at every Blackbirds event, like they, they put they they put their money where their mouth is. They put the actions where their mouth is about make. But there's an infrastructure again. I don't think my kids' school is perpetuating any of the racist stuff that they have going on. But these parents who go here who have the money, they're not turning down their money. This is a business at the end of the day. When they right. come in and these people are teaching their kids that at home, and they bring that to school. Just like me teaching my child, I'm black and I'm proud. And he come to school with his, I'm black and I'm proud. I taught him that at home. So you mm-hmm. come to school with that. Right. You looking scared? No, I taught him that. Yeah. So right. If that that's that's encouraged. But the um. Uh oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's encouraged. But the negative behaviors that are being taught at home. That's not encouraged. That still shows up at the school too, but I can't blame the infrastructure for that. That's a personal stuff. That's why I said I have to have grace and the conversations need to be had. So in terms of, um, in terms of what I do at work, the infrastructure, I can't do anything about people's own personal beliefs and ideologies that they bring in to the business that, um, negatively impact people of color, which they don't even know that sometimes they don't even know, or sometimes they do it intentionally. Um, I can't control that. Mm -hmm. What I can control is getting people seen. So they have a referral program. I mean, when I see these roles come through, I went to Clark Atlanta. I know several people who are in the engineering department. I know several people who are project managers. I know several people who are program managers. I'm like, Hey, it's a position. You you want me to put you? Right. Hey, I, I control what's in my sphere of influence, and people will tell you. I'll be like, Hey, it's a it's a sourcing role. It's a recruiting role. It's this. I don't care how you. You don't necessarily have to get in the job as an engineer. I am not an engineer. Right. Um, how can I help you? Like, what are your what do you want to do? Look on the website. If you see something that's in your in your wheelhouse or something you want to do and I know the manager I will walk right over to that manager hi right. so you have this role and and people like me I'm I think I'm a likable person I try to I ain't no I'm no nonsense I'm not going to let you bulldoze me but I will I get my job done so people at the end of the day you can't do nothing but respect that if I'm in here and I'm getting my job done you ain't got to like me at the mm-hmm. end so you can depend on me to get this work done you know right. but I think I'm pretty right. Um, and I have a good rapport with a lot of people. Um, so I use that to my advantage in terms of making sure that people who reach out to me directly and be like, Oh, Tamisha, what about this role? I saw this. Can you, can you look at my resume? I've, I've, I did not know that I was a resume editor until I started working at Twitter because for me to put my money where my mouth is or put my actions where my mouth is, like I see Jack and Mike Montano doing and my director, that's what I can Mm -hmm. do. I know know what they're looking for when they're looking at resumes. 
So I look at your resume and I'd be like, "Mm -mm, that's trash. Do that again. Look at this one. And I'll deduct, you know, people's names and stuff like that. Look at the structure of this. Look at the, do you look at the actual job description? Do you have those skills? Can you figure out where you've done that somewhere else? So even for my project management stuff, I was a teacher. I worked at Kaiser for 10 years. And then I went into Oakland Unified School District and I was a project manager there, um, you know, doing compliance. And so the things that I've done, nothing to do with tech, nothing to do with recruiting, but because I was able to fix my resume to show how that project management work that I did all of those years and that management experience that I had all those years could transfer over into work Mm -hmm. in the space in the operations coordinator role that I have right now. Um, and I was able to speak to it as well, um, mm-hmm. is what showed my value. And so mm-hmm. I've, had conversation, I've had so many conversations with people on how to fix their resume and then what that means. Like people read resumes, they read, so the recruiters, they read resumes and sourcers, they read resumes all day. So they be bored. Don't have your resume looking dry and it's just a word document. You don't got no, no gifs, like nothing digital you're applying to a tech company like have a link in there somewhere have it look like a website you know um so that way it's easy to read and then be able to speak to it if somebody call you and ask you oh so your project management experience that you did how do you feel like that could work in this role if you can't answer that question i can't don't be mad at them so i have to but we right again we're not taught to use our words we can we can jazz up and write right. on somebody's paper, but then when it comes time to articulate it, it's like, oh well, yeah, like on my resume it said, no, we read your resume. Tell me what. Let's have a conversation. You know. Um, so those are my two things of advice that I've done for I'd say over fifty people since I've been there that I know that I've actually sent them stuff like, hey, apply to this, apply to this, and they've applied, and then we've had conversations about how to prepare for the interview. That's good. I'm sorry. I'm gonna feel a sneeze coming on. Um, Is it that <laughs> no, I have bad allergies. I can't. I'm, I'm just joking. Sitting by a window, and I'm like, mm. I'm just joking. Uh, you, know, so you can't even sneeze <laughs> in your house without folks looking at you crazy. You can't, <laughs> girl. You can't sneeze. You can't cough. Don't let your eyes start watering. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, and so in regards, so like Andy mentioned in the beginning, um, this here episode is a a part of our, um, women's empowerment series. And so also too, within what you do, how do you see yourself empowering women at work and outside of work as well? Um, I, at work, I don't think I am, um, as effective as I'd like to be just yet because I'm still, I still, I'm not new. I've been there since July in in tech. That's a long time, but I'm still getting a handle on what I'm doing. So I am in an observant role right now. Um, I get my work done. Okay. I'm just kind of watching and I'm seeing how things move. This is my first time in tech. Um, You know, I left a 10 year job, you know, and so I knew the land there, you know what I'm saying? I knew how things worked. Right. What was going on. I'm nine months in. I don't know anything. I, I, I ask a bunch of questions, um, but my, the level of work that I produce so far has been very good. 
um, for, to my knowledge, and I know that I've put 110% effort into everything that I've done um, mm-hmm. so far. So I don't know necessarily that, I mean, other Black women may give you a different experience or other women period may give you a different conversation if I ask, if gave me a different conversation if I asked them, but I haven't post checked to see if I'm effective like that to other people. Um, mm-hmm. just I st- I'm still very much in a student phase um, of my career. But in my personal life, um, I'm a Delta. As you can see, I got my love. I am very, very passionate about empowering other Black women, other women of color, period. Um, I talk on end to, you know, some my Clark Atlanta sisters, to my Delta sisters, to my actual sister, um, you know, my little cousins. Yes. Can you got you you guys want to see my kids real quick? Yeah, show them. They want to get on. Aiden. Hey, hey. Tyler. Not the whole government. Whole huh? government. <laughs> this, is fun. this is fun, Bobby. In the flesh. Oh, yeah, blonde on his hair too. Yeah. Last time I seen y'all, he didn't have blonde on his hair, did he? No, he did. They've had he it did. for like a year and a half, two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hi, boys. My sister's house. She lives in the same complex as us, so they're going over there tonight. Oh, okay. okay. All right, y'all. Enjoy. Well, we like we gotta go. <laughs> we ready. Help me, Holy Ghost. Okay, so <laughs> in terms of how I empower other women, again, I'm very faith based. Um, mm-hmm. I I was listening to TD Jakes before I got on the call, and. I, I mean, every Sunday, I mean, I really, on my Instagram, I post, you know, uplifting and encouraging stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to sing. I sing, you know, gospel music all the time. I uh, just, I'm very wise in a lot of things and experiences that I've been through. Um, my mom died at, when I was 12 years old from a drug overdose. And I really, that really changed the entire trajectory of my life. Um put myself through college, you know, having a, you know, severed relationship with my father and being raised by my grandparents, you know, um, being in a 23 year relationship, you know, just, you know, and that being on the brink right now, like, it's just a lot of, and I'm very, very candid. I don't really, Mm -hmm. I don't have any qualms about people knowing what my trials and tribulations are, because at the end of the day, God has opened up so many doors for me and they see it. And mm-hmm. so they're empowered by that. Like, you know, the moms on the track team mm-hmm. with my kids, like they see the strength in me that I don't even see in myself. And so when they come and ask me like, well, Tamisha, how did you get through this? How did you deal with this? And I'm like, honey, I cried all night long. And me and G, I had a little talk with Jesus and told him all about my problems. And when they see that, how I don't let, the outside world really affect how I am at the core, who I am in my heart. They want to know how to do that. They want to know mm-hmm. how, you know, what that looks like. And I'm not, I don't sugarcoat it. It's hard to not want to push a Christian down the flight of stairs. You know what I'm saying? I'd be, Lord, help me, Jesus. That's my little words right there. That's my saying. I'm about to push somebody down the flight of stairs. Please. And so I, I literally, it's a daily walk with, I have a very close relationship with God. He has proven himself to me over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again. It's no reason why 
with the lack of support that I had growing up that I should have, that I should be a graduate of Clark Atlanta University. That, you know, it's so- you. Say again? the odds were against you. you yeah, know. They've been against me. They, they've been against me. And I had very low self-esteem for a very long time. You know, I, I put my, my worth in other people and I am just now becoming to the place where it's like, you know what? I don't need you right. or none of this because you know who always got my back? Mm, come on. So I'm proving, my, proving that to myself right now and literally moved out my account was negative when i moved okay do came to my apartment complex i moved in here with no money down and they ended up owing me a credit my first two months of me living here yeah. tell me why they do uh -huh. that lady been in property <laughs> for 15 years she said i've never seen any type of rebates or anything like this on a unit are you kidding me okay since january she got a fully furnished place right now okay that ain't nobody but god with no working at Twitter, literally moved out, and God has been opening up doors for me ever since. Like, but that's because I put my faith in Him. Yeah. That takes a lot of strength yeah. to yeah. walk away from something like that. That you, to, I'm 38. I, that relationship was 23 years. Right. So that takes a, that took a lot of strength. And people are like, oh my God, how did you do it? I cried every night. That's how I did it. Nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And I prayed. I cried and I prayed. I cried and I prayed. I went to my kids yeah. and I was crying and listening to sermons and I was reading my Bible. Mm -hmm. I continued to pay my tithes. I did not let that affect how I, you know, interacted with other people. But I did have to seclude myself and come into my own little shell. I only opened up myself to a few people. Courtney Lyons is one of them during that during the time mm -hmm. until mm -hmm. I until I got better. I'm still not 100% better. I'm still very much in my bubble, which is why Corona ain't really bothering me like that, aside from the way this hair is. But I mean, I and my friends that know me and know what's going on, they're like, Tamisha, you're, like, you're so strong. And I'm like, no, I'm not strong. He is strong. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so for me, when anybody's talking to me, they get the raw and uncut, real, is, real deal holy feel. And I've been that way. For as long as since I was two or three years old, I've never, I've always spoken what's on my mind, what's on my heart. And um, I have learned over the years how to um, make sure that my words are not demeaning or damaging to other people. Um, but I have to be true to myself. And then I also mm -hmm. let, them, let people know, like, if that's not, I'm, I'm a person, who, my yes is my yes and my no is my no. I'm not double-minded in, in, in my decisions. So once I make up my mind, it's pretty made up. That's what it is. And yeah. so no matter what the hurt looks like because of the decision that I make, I, and that's why it takes me a long time to make decisions because I want to make sure that once you make this, you can stick to it, right? And then I got two kids, two sons, mm -hmm. two, you know, so what does that look like taking them away from their dad, you know? But it shows them too, like, you have to be accountable for your actions all day, every day in life. That's just yeah. what it looks like. And at the end of the day, you're going to be raised in a loving environment either way it looks. But that doesn't mean that I have to put myself through things that I don't want to put myself through because I'm trying to cater to you at any given moment. No, I love you. Your dad loves you. Be back later. Love you, mom. Love you, too. Um, but uh -huh. life, is what, life is what it is. Love you. Love you, too. Bye. Bye.
Um, life is what it is, and every life is not cookies and cream. Yeah, right. it's not, <laughs> and as a black man, it really you really don't have that opportunity. So while their adversity that they're experiencing is not their mom dying like mine was, but my mom died and I made it out okay. If me and your dad separate and we're not together and you guys have to go through a divorce, you still God's child at the end of the day. And so yeah. no matter what, you gonna be okay. Yeah. And you need to know that. So I'm, when I say I'm very candid with them, I'm very candid with them about my, my struggles, what I go through, their struggles, what they gonna go through, but the expectations don't, don't change. You still, yeah. be, you still gotta be solid right here. You still gotta be solid right here. And one, if you check those two, that's that heart, mind, and spirit is all on the same page, and you solid in all of those areas, right? Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong, yeah. right? So I have two questions for you. Um, one question is, who empowers you? You know, what woman has empowered you? Really, one question: What woman has empowered uh, you? It's not just one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not just one. Literally, I feel like when my when my mom died, she was on drugs, and I feel like God knew that if she would have continued to be alive, it, there's no telling where. Hi, cutie. No telling where my life would. Come been. here, Stephen. Right. This is Stephen. This is my son. He's seven. Hi, Stephen. How you doing? Hello. So handsome, self. Get off my legs, please. Did you read from my? Did you read from my? You read it. No, not yet. Okay, read it, no. and, tell me, read it and tell me how you like Just it. Just me. Tell me how I can make it better. Okay. Okay. So you're gonna sound it out. Sound out the words. I'm sound out the words. And and this, like, What's this? That was my very first one, and it didn't have yeah, it. Um, but you know what I did? I improved it. I have a glossary in the new one. I've re-released mm-hmm. it. But this is good though because this is. The words are big and you know what I mean? Yeah. Big, we'll get that too. The re-released one has a glossary in there for some of those harder words for the sevens and right. eight year olds. Got it. Okay, say goodbye. Okay, I say no, bye. Because it's a no. Bye bye. Close my door. Bye-bye. Um, I would say it's not just one. I feel like um no. I listen to T.D. Jakes a lot and he says that, he says all the time, it was good for me that I was afflicted because in your mm-hmm. adversity is when you, um, when you figure out your strengths and that's yeah. how you grow, right? And so from when my, my mom died, um, I had a stepmom. My dad was already remarried. She was very hard on me. She did not like my mom. Our life was not good my adolescent years. Um, but a lot of what she taught me is still in me today. Um, how meticulous I am about my house being clean, about my hygiene, about you know taking pride in my appearance, um, the level of excellence and work that I do because I was always naturally smart, but it was just so easy. I was like, mm, all right, that's done. She like, you didn't even think of, just a, if you could do that without even thinking, what can you do if you really sat down and really buckled down and those things in terms of education or whatever, uh, <clears throat> now that's me with the Rona. Sorry, <coughs> Sorry excuse me. Um, those things stuck. When I went, my grandmother, my dad's mother, mean, mean old lady. When I t- but I, when I tell you that was my friend, like my my very best friend. She just died a couple years ago. 
But when I tell you that was my very best friend, I learned so much from her. But she, she, honey, she, she wasn't a nice one. That was spicy Mike Tyson all day long. <laughs> and anybody that know her be like, oh, Sister Jessie Lee. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That ain't. That's not a joke. But when I say when, but I appreciate that realness that she gave all day. She didn't care. That's something that I want to learn. Like. I care too much about people feelings. She like, no, I care about my own feelings. You know, um, that that she's another key person. My older sister, um, my stepmom, who we did, had a very severed relationship. Our relationship didn't improve until I went to college, mm. um, and she had to. She had an awakening moment where she realized that she was really mean to me, and she apologized for how she treated me. And in the midst of my mom dying and all of that, dealing with her stuff too, because she didn't want two extra kids moving into her house with her and her husband. Like, I get it. I'm a mom now too. Two more kids. Where these kids come from? And everybody got attitudes and they fight and they already feel like they know who they are. As a, I get it. As an adult, I get it. I didn't get it at 13, right? But my sister mm-hmm. had a daughter too, um, who's 18 months older than me. That's my older sister. Um, we don't have the same blood, but that's my sister. She's been my sister since I was two years old. I don't know where she, that girl so wise, I, she's celebrating her 40th birthday this year. My sister, she a Delta too. I, I just, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Then my, my walk at um, Clark Atlanta, like Mrs. Whitted, Mrs. Um, Dean Allwood. I ended up meeting Yana Van Zant when I was there. She gave me a lot of encouragement, you know, like my sis, my sister's there, you know, my Clark sister's there they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And so to finally have girl, black girlfriends who didn't, you know, talk about me as the black ball headed girl. And they was like, and I was, I shaved all my hair off when I was in college and they was like, Oh my God, queen, you look so beautiful to hear that from another black woman. That's empowering. Like that, Mm -hmm. like my self-esteem was so low when I was in college. I had no idea how low it was. And I feel like as I look back now, like I was so bomb then and my self-esteem was just in the pits. Like I think I'm bomb now too. But right. I was that was when I that's when I really figured out who I was as a person at Clark and as a woman. And I really started to begin my journey to love myself. Um mm. I became a Delta and that level of love and is just crazy. And then knowing that I'm a member of an organization with the likes of our founders and, you know, Shirley Chisholm. And I, what? Like, y'all think I'm on the same level as them? Oh, you know, like, right. Right. Just got, and then as I became a mother, my kids, them boys, them boys, they love their mama, okay? And I'm not making, they not mama's boys because you see, they leave me, mommy, I love you, all right, I'm out, I'm gone. They not mama's boys, but they, I have to be good for them. And Mm -hmm. when they look at the big scheme of things of like their friends, moms, and the times that the time that their parents spend with them and how they're not able to be as candid and have open conversation with their parents, but they can't have it with me. And, you know, I think that they really, um, so again, so I would say like, it's not just one there are there are key women, um, even in high school, like my high school counselor, Ms. Thompson, rest her feet, rest her soul. But she was a Delta, too. I didn't even realize she was a Delta because um, I didn't know what Deltas were. I didn't even know what right. she was to HBCU. 
I, I went to HBCU on a fluke. Like literally my husband, we, we've been together since we were in 10th grade and he broke up with me. I was supposed to, be, I had got accepted into Spelman, Xavier, you know, Michigan, FAMU, all these different schools, but he didn't apply to any schools. And so he was good in football and I thought he had applied. He didn't apply to any schools. So I didn't go. I went to Contra Costa College with him as soon as we let, graduated. I, nobody was in my nobody was in my corner saying, "Girls, you crazy? Oh no, you going to school?" Okay. Wow. My dad, not my uncles, not no nobody was like Tamisha. You have twelve acceptance letters. You got a fourteen o two fourteen o two on your SATs. Why are you going to Contra Costa? Because of a man? Wait, that's a we got to have a, another conversation about that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm that, so. When he, and then six months later, he broke up with me. My cousin Andrea, who are my kids' godmama, she was like, "Oh no, 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 come on, I, we finna go to we we going to Clark Homecoming." And I'm like, "I don't have no money to go to." Home. She was like, "I'm buying your ticket. Let's go." Like we the same age, but she like, "I'm gonna buy your ticket. Let's go." I literally got there. Her friends Chanel were already there. I literally applied to Clark that October and moved January. Okay. Hey. With a thousand dollars in my pocket, right. one semester of school paid for, and she graduated on in three and a half years. Overloaded every semester, had twenty one credit hours every semester. Oh wow! But situations like that, you that just happened. God had that all planned out, honey. Mm-hmm. That wasn't nothing that I did. That right. was nothing that Tamisha did. So when mm-hmm. I the women. I mean, it's been people that's my age. It's been people that's younger than me. It's been people that's older than me. I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, it's been so many women, but I feel like God just ordered my steps. He yeah. just literally ordered my steps. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm cognizant enough and well-versed enough to follow when he, when he say go to the right or go to, go to the right or go to the left, I go to the right and I go to the left. Yeah. So that's somebody you got to be spiritually intelligent, um, just like you intellectually intelligent. You have to be spiritually intelligent and intuitive um, to make those decisions, even when it don't look like what you. If you don't see, you don't see your. You don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You don't see the the staircase. You see the first step, and that's it. And just take the first step, and that's what a lot of my life are stories like that, where I just took a step. And God just made the rest of the way clear. Right. Mm-hmm. So coming in for the home stretch, I feel like originally, I think Tanil asked, you know, how do you empower women? And you kind of said you didn't know. And then you started talking and I was like, what? Your whole story empowers women. Every single thing that you've done, even if you're in, you know, corporate America or just, just in the world. So I'm saying that to say, um, you know, our demographic sometimes has those entrepreneurs that are a little paralyzed and they might feel, you know, that they're stuck or in a box and they can't move forward or progress because of whatever happened to them. Um, What kind of tips, tricks, advice or anything? And I know we can pull it out of here separately, but like, what would you just come and hone in and say to those young women, those young men that are in that paralyzed state? where they're still, they still have that sinking thinking. They're not moving on with the, the vision that was birthed or given to them. Um, mm. And how you kind of transcended and moved past a lot of that and just said, you know what, I'm just gonna do it. So for, 
I guess my advice would be, I'm going back to my spiritual basis is if you don't, God said he had a rocks cry out, period. You mm-hmm. are here for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And if you know, the thing is with the people who know what your, what your purpose is and you don't do what you're supposed to do and, and fulfill your purpose. Like, I think, I, I, I I think that God will just use somebody else at the end of the day. So that's your loss because you could just, you, you have an opportunity, you have a gift, you know that God called you to do whatever it is that you're doing. And if you don't do it, then that's just your loss. If you want to, you know, be stuck and complacent, then by all means, enjoy that journey. But I think it's more so, it's harder for the people who don't know what their passion and their calling is, right? Um, you may be, you may have this entrepreneurial mindset, but even like with me, like with writing my books, like I know that this is a gift that I have. Um, but in terms of where, like, is this really the only thing that I'm supposed to be doing? Like, and maybe it's not the only thing I'm supposed to be doing, but go to the finish line, right? Don't start something, and don't finish it. Like that's, but those are morals that you have to be taught. Like you have to know that that's important. You don't start something and don't finish it. You know, those are key things. Those are things that I'm teaching my children, you know? So if you didn't learn that, how do you finish something, complete the goal, like get to the end of the finish line for, for one. Um, if you know that this is a talent that you have, even if you fail, like I said in the beginning, you don't learn how to, you don't get wise and you don't learn from all of these different things without falling and bumping your head first. I was listening to a sermon, be- like I said, before I got on a call with y'all and T.D. Jakes was saying, babies learn how to walk by falling, period. Mm-hmm. Like every time they get up and stumble and they, they get their footing a little bit more and more and more. And so if you're, if you know how to walk and you was a baby and you figured out how to walk, it's the same thing as starting your business with, you know, continuing to be an entrepreneur, finishing it to the end. But but then there's finishing it to the end. Like you're going to stumble along the way. That first volume, first version of the book that I'm making, I'm making improvements. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. not, it's still right. not 110 percent, but I'm making improvements along the way. I'm taking people's advice. That's why what I tell your son, read it and tell me how to make it better. You have to be open to that. Some people are not open to that because they think, oh, I this is what I did, and it's the bomb. Always be a student. Always be a student. It's okay. Um, I'm a, I keep on referencing TDJ, honey. That's my little bishop, honey. Uh, <laughs> Sarah said um, that the thing that she loves about her dad is that he doesn't have a problem starting over at one. Mm-hmm. And so, what she when she broke it down to say like the numbers go from one to nine, and some people rather stay at nine. Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to becoming one to jumping in that tap that pool from 10 to 20. But you still Mm -hmm. elevate it, even though you at the bottom of the 10, the 10, you you still. And then once you get to 19, you're going to stay at 19 and not go to 20. No, we're going to keep on going. Like, and when she said that, I said, you know what? I think my complacency sometimes is because I'm like, shoot, I don't know if I'm going to do this right or whatever. Even if I'm Mm. at the bottom of the totem pole. I have shook hands and had full conversations with Jack Dorsey and Biz Stone. Them are millionaire and billionaires. I don't care what this this little raggedy little bank account look like right now. I'm rubbing elbows with millionaires and billionaires. Okay, my CEO is a billionaire. When I this past summer, I mean this past Christmas, 
I sent Biz Stone an email mm-hmm. and told him, I said, last year when I started Fun Bobby, I donated two class sets of my books because I was working at Oakland Unified School District at the time um, to two schools that I, I really liked their principals. And I was like, I'm going to give you guys these class sets. And my class sets are like $500 a piece. Mm-hmm. So I donated those two of those class sets to those schools. And I was a keynote speaker at one of the high, at one of the elementary schools and empowering the kids and things like that. And I told him, I said, I did this last year, but I'm in, I didn't tell him I'm in the middle of going through a divorce. I just moved. Right. I don't even have a bed right now. I'm sleeping on an air mattress. I ain't say that, but I'm like, right. I really would like to donate to, a, to you know, to two more schools in, the, in, you know, in Richmond or, you know, in the Bay Area. And so he's like, um, and I said, but these are the, these are a list of schools that we could choose from. It could be, you know, a school in San Francisco, Oakland, Vallejo or Richmond. I had a list of 16 schools on the, on the list. I'm shooting in the dark, just sending them an email like, do you know that man said, well, how much would it cost to, 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 to get class sets for all the schools? My God. <laughs> what? My hands were shaking. I'm like, are you no, kidding me? I'm almost done. I'll make you in a second. He literally, he was, it ended up being like, like ten thousand. Oh, ten thousand! I'm all in. You know, this man bought class sets for sixteen different schools, and all I had to do was sign them and drop them off at the schools. Oh my goodness! Feeling like just was. You tell me. You, and when I and when I sent that email, yeah. bank account was on negative, but I didn't <laughs> make that ties, okay? okay? You tell me, when do you serve a God like that? You tell me. Come on. I listen. It ain't nothing nobody can tell me that God don't come through. I didn't know how my kids was gonna have Christmas. I had bills that was out the yin yang. Do you know that tenth? I could have y'all, I was in my bed crying. Like Lord, why are you so good to me? You don't have no reason to be. Like I'm I be cussing, I be having my drinks on the way. Look. But you know what? And Felisa's right. Like you, you know, I guess maybe you didn't quite, I don't know, realize, like she said, you know, that you empower people just by your store because even when we met and we were chopping it up, as soon as I left from Rashad's store, <laughs> I was on the phone with one of them, calling them back to back. Listen. I just met this girl. She's so cool. And this is what happened and blah, 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 blah. Like, I mean, you just made it, um, an impression on me. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Really? Well, see, I don't you know. It's not that I try, I'm not trying to do it, but. No, you, yeah, but that's always, just who you are. You always made me an open book. And I, and if, so I guess the answer to the question is how do I empower people? It's just because I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed to tell my story. I don't think that the negative things that have happened to me, um, are not worthy to share, but I think yeah. that the things that I've gone through, if I, I, I feel like, and my sister says it all the time, you, I don't, she doesn't go through the things that she's gone through to not share it with me. So that mm-hmm. way I can learn how to navigate. And I feel the same way, like, because a lot of the advice she's given me from just her relationship and being a mom, she was a mom at 21. And when I had Tyler, like she, you know, she's helped me a lot of the ways, but it was because of the, the tears she's already cried, you know? And so mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like the things that I've gone through, you know, how to, how to do the different things that I've done. I don't have a problem making a mistake. I don't have no ego on that. If I mess up, if I do it wrong, mm-hmm. like, Oh, all right, I'm gonna do it better next time. Mm-hmm. And then I don't have a problem with sharing, you know, like 
hey, this is me, this is who I am. And so I guess that's maybe that's the answer to the question in terms of how I empower people that I'm just very candid and open. Mm -hmm. Do you have a key this time, son? You just don't want to leave. You keep coming back in four and five times. Like, I ate my oranges and I didn't want to like hold that thing over. Well, we sure do appreciate you for coming on. Thank you guys for having me. Story. Um, let the people know where they can find you and how they can find Bobby. Um, Instagram is the adventures of fun Bobby. Uh, Twitter is Twitter is um, fun Bobby mommy. Um, and then on Facebook, which my kids so eloquently called last night, the old people's social media. Oh, is <laughs> uh, it's just fun Bobby. Um, <laughs> But I have a website, funbobby.com, and it's the it's B-O-B-B-I-E. It's not B-O-B-B-Y. Um, you guys can email me, and I, I love and appreciate all feedback, you know, um, mm -hmm. if it's a typo, if it's, you know, I've had people say, oh, it was a typo in that first version or whatever. I don't have no ego. Let me know how I can fix it if you have ideas and of different storylines of things that have happened to you or your children as you are navigating this parenting life. This is a first for me. Uh, I'm getting ready to have a 13 year old. So we're going to see what that looks like in July. Um, <laughs> give me some ideas. I, I want fun. Bobby is a 15 series um, book, but then I'm going to, that little one, you know, he want to be just like his big brother. So he's like, well, where's, when, when you going to write a book about me? So the adventures of fun, Donnie, will be coming because his little brother is Donovan, but they call him Donnie. Okay. Um, so that will be coming for the middle, the elementary age kids. But um, find me on social media. I'm around. I respond to all my messages. Um, yeah, hit me up. <laughs> hey, well, thank you. And all of our viewers, y'all know how to find us. Like, comment, and subscribe. Tune in to the Surviving Adulthood podcast for more details. Bye. Bye. Indeed. Bye. Bye.